0: Ready? Born ready. Tuesday, it's election day. You are tuning in to your favorite political podcast, Where the Party At. I'm your host, Saba Long. As always, thank you so much for rocking with us. So it is election day across Georgia. Today is the last day to vote in the May 24th primary. Now you can pull a Republican ballot, a Democratic ballot, or a nonpartisan ballot if you don't want to deal with either party. Today's election is a test of Trump's influence on Georgia voters. Ultimately, I think we're going to see some mixed results here. Trump will have some wins and some losses, although you and I both know he will not claim those L's. So let's run down what I think might happen uh, in this election. And we'll start with the Senate. On the Democratic side, Raphael Warnock, the Reverend Doctor, is running unopposed. The big question is who will be in the Republican runoff, or even if there will be a Republican runoff. Herschel Walker is certainly the front runner, and he's obviously hoping to avoid a runoff, but I think it's certainly possible that his opponents will keep him just below that 50% plus one threshold. Not easy, but it is within the realm of possibility. The person who I think will be able to do that is Gary Black. Uh, He is uh, likely going to come in second. The question is, will he keep uh, Herschel below that threshold? Now, there are some strong Republican candidates in this Senate race, um, but you have to have money and excitement either one or the other, and Herschel has both. Now, just a reminder of why this seat is so important, and we're highlighting this one first, because the United States Senate is 50-50 Democrat and Republican right now. So, Democrats have to win this seat to maintain the majority in the Senate. All right, now on to the governor's race. On the Republican side, obviously, it's Brian Kemp versus David Perdue. All signs point to Kemp winning by a landslide. Even Trump and Purdue have acknowledged that Kemp will win. Uh, Trump has stopped actively campaigning for Purdue. He is going to do like a teletown hall for him on Monday, uh, the day before the election, but it's not going to make a tremendous impact, I don't think. Uh, And Purdue has had very little campaign events planned in the final days uh, leading up to May 24th. Now, usually there would be a barrage of ads, auto calls, mail, texts, and even events. These are all things you do in that final blitz to get your voters out on election day. But that just has not happened uh, for Purdue. Now, on the Democratic side, obviously Stacey is running unopposed. She's back for round two against Kemp. Uh, Since she's running unopposed, she's just been spending a lot of her time doing fundraisers and events to try to get the Democratic base excited to come back out, even though we've got low approval ratings for the Biden White House. One more thing about the governor's race, I generally think it's going to be tough for Stacey to win in November, but Trump just might hand it to her. A number of Trump Republicans in Georgia have said they just simply cannot bring themselves to vote for Kemp over Stacey because they're still mad at Brian Kemp and Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger because they did not overturn the 2020 election results. And now over to Lieutenant Governor. If you're not sure what the Lieutenant Governor does, think of them as the Vice President of the state. The position is very similar. They preside over the state senate, and they'll cast a tie-breaking vote uh, when that is necessary. Republicans control the state senate, and so that won't happen anytime soon. Um, Another thing the lieutenant governor does is they will fill in for the governor if something happens to the governor. So, uh, God forbid, the governor passes away or is incapacitated for some reason, the lieutenant governor. Will become the governor. Now, the current lieutenant governor is someone you've heard us talk about on the show, Jeff Duncan. He decided to not seek re election and he is devoting his time on something he's calling GOP 2.0, which is his agenda to remake the Republican Party and move it away from Trumpism. All right, so on the Republican side, you have four candidates. I do think there will be a runoff here. My guess is that will be between Burt Jones and Butch Miller. Burt Jones got Trump's endorsement. On the Democratic side, there are a slew of candidates, including former Atlanta City Councilman Kwanzaa Hall. Now, it's hard to say who will get in the runoff. Uh, Charlie Bailey is definitely a favorite of the Democratic establishment. He was running for Attorney General, but stepped down so that Jen Jordan would win that primary. Uh, Renita Shannon is the only woman on the Democratic side who's running for Lieutenant Governor. I do think that gives her some advantage. And then there's also Eric Allen, who is well-liked in Cobb County. So we'll see who ends up on that one. Next, you've got Secretary of State. Now, there are five candidates in this race on the Democratic side. So again, this is another one that I think will be a runoff My prediction is this will be a runoff between B and D. I know this is a little bit difficult. B, when, B is in boy, and then D, Dawkins Hagler. So B is a state rep. She was first elected in 2017. Uh, If elected to the Secretary of State's office, she'll be the first Vietnamese-American woman in that position. Uh, D, Dawkins Hagler, is an African-American woman. She would be the first Secretary of State if elected uh, as a Black female. So D ran for Secretary of State in 2018. That year, Georgia had a slate of Black women running for statewide seats, but none of them won. Obviously, that still, that slate included Stacey Abrams. On the Republican side, we've got incumbent Brad Raffensperger who just might end up doing better than a lot of us originally thought. He's up against Jody Heiss, who was backed by Trump, and David Isle, who was also a Trump supporter. I also want to mention another guy who's in this race that you probably haven't heard much from or about. Uh, His name is T.J. Hudson of Soperton. He is a black Republican who's running for Secretary of State. His claim to fame is that as a probate court judge, He swore in Governor Brian Kemp Um, might be someone to look out for in future elections. So on the Democratic side, we'll certainly have a runoff. And I'm pretty confident on the Republican side, we will also have a runoff that will probably be between Raffensperger and Jody Heiss, uh, who is again backed by Trump. All right, now on to the attorney general's race. You can think of the AG as the state's attorney. They file lawsuits against individuals, companies, and even other governments on behalf of the state of Georgia. So just as an example, 21 state attorneys general are suing the Biden administration slash the CDC for their plan to end Title 42. I believe this is something we talked about on the pod before. It stops immigrants from entering the border because of the ongoing COVID pandemic. So that's an example of a state attorney general filing a lawsuit against another government. So on the Democratic side, there are two Dems running, Jen Jordan and Christian Wise Smith. Uh, I met Christian when I used to work at City Hall. He's a super nice guy, uh, but I think it's safe to say that Jen will win this by a landslide. I also think the incumbent Republican attorney general will win his primary without a problem. And now on to Agriculture Commissioner. Did you know we have 58,000 goats in Georgia for meat, and then we have additional goats for goat milk? That's a lot of goat curry. Uh, <laughs> agriculture in Georgia is a multi-billion dollar industry. On the Democratic side, there are three people running. Uh, the ones whose name I see the most in Democratic establishment circles is a guy named Winfred Dukes. He's currently a state rep, and he has a family-owned construction and real estate company in Albany, Georgia. I think I pronounced that right. That one will probably be a runoff as well. And then on the state superintendent, on the Republican side, you've got the incumbent, Richard Woods. He is being challenged by John Barge, who used to be the superintendent. And then on the Democratic side, there are a few people running I think this will end up in a runoff between Alicia Thomas Morgan and uh, perhaps Jaha Howard. Both of them are from Cobb County. All right, on to Insurance and Safety Fire Commission. You probably haven't even paid any attention to this position, but if you've ever been in an elevator and you've noticed that little tag that shows when it was last inspected, you'll also see a signature from the insurance commissioner. Last year, the former insurance commissioner went to jail for fraud. Um, Honestly, I don't know why this is a partisan position. There are Republicans running and there are Democrats running. I'm curious to see why is it that insurance uh, needs to be a partisan position. I'm sure someone has a point of view on that. All right. A couple of other highlights. Um, You know, the question, was there voter suppression? You know, you all heard me talk before about Senate Bill 202 which made a ton of changes uh, to how people vote, particularly around voting by mail. And it appears that a lot of folks decided to skip voting by mail, which is usually a preferred method for Republicans. And they decided to go vote in person instead. And so the reason I'm asking, was there voter suppression, is because there has been record turnout in the primary. More than 857,000 people chose to vote early. And about 114,000 more Republicans than Democrats have showed up to vote so far. And then another interesting point here, about 38,000 Dems crossed over to vote in the Republican primary. Now, why would a Democrat go vote in a Republican primary? There's a couple of thoughts here. One could be that they want to vote for a Republican that they think will be easier to beat in the November general election. So as an example, a poll showed that Stacey Abrams has a better shot against David Perdue than she does against Brian Kemp. Or they could be voting for a pro-democracy Republican. So make sure that even if a Democrat loses in November, the Republican that wins will not be a Republican that believes in the big lie. So, for example, they could vote for Raffensperger over one of his opponents. Now, the only thing here about re- Democrats crossing over to vote in the Republican primary, that means that for the runoff election, and there will be a number of runoffs uh, because there's so many people challenging incumbents, the, other, the only challenge here, the only issue uh, for those Democrats is They will not be able to vote in the Democratic runoff election. They can only vote in the Republican runoff election. So we'll see what ends up happening, obviously, today, and then what ends up happening in the runoff. Um, But I suspect we'll hear a lot of conversation from Democratic groups in particular about what was the impact of Senate Bill 202? Did it suppress votes, even though we see more people voting broadly? Did it suppress black folks, black votes in particular, uh, or other minority votes? TBD on that one. And you all have heard me mention time and time again, voter turnout in the 18 to 39 demo is abysmally low. It is so low. This election, unfortunately, as so many elections will be decided by voters 65 and older. A couple of things on the local election front, uh, Cobb County has three cityhood referenda that we'll be watching to see if those pass. Uh, Atlanta has three transportation referenda, also known as t or if you're a really wonky, transportation special local option sales tax uh, to fund sidewalks, bike lanes, replace roads, etc. And then across the board uh, in all these counties, There are going to be school board elections, county commission races, and so it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Tune in next week. I'm going to do an assessment of the races, tell you who's in the runoff. Maybe we'll have some surprises. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Regardless, make sure you go vote. Don't forget to bring your voter ID card or bring a ID card. Uh, And then also remember on election day, you have to vote at your precinct. All right, now we're going to move over to some national news. So last week, we briefly talked about the Buffalo shooting, um, but I want to bring something up here that I don't think there's been a lot of conversation about. Uh, In April, Democrats introduced a bill in the House Judiciary Committee to create a permanent office within uh, these three departments, the Department of Homeland Security, the DOJ, the Department of Justice, And the FBI. And, quote, the purpose of this was to monitor, investigate, and prosecute cases of domestic terrorism. The other thing that uh, this bill was supposed to do was increase training for local police departments to investigate and and push back and deter homegrown terrorism. This bill is called called H.R. 350, uh, and it does two things. One is creates this interagency task force. Again, that's Homeland Security, DOJ, and the FBI. And then the second second thing it does is directs the FBI to assign a special agent or a hate crimes liaison to each of its field offices. Of course, Atlanta has a field office. Um, And the point here is to combat white supremacy and neo-Nazi infiltration, uh, including of the uniform forces and within federal law enforcement agencies. So the key thing about this bill um, is that it could be perceived um, as um, a tracking mechanism. So all 17 committee Republicans in that House Judiciary Committee have argued that this measure could be used to initiate investigations against conservatives for exercising their free speech rights. Now. The question is, are Republicans all against investigating white supremacy and domestic terrorism? I would like to think not. So I think the real thing here is, is this a civil liberties issue? And I ask this because last year, the ACLU issued this statement to the the judiciary committee about the rise of domestic terrorism. And I quote, this is a little lengthy, but I'm going to quote this. Under current domestic terrorism authorities, law enforcement has a vast array of authorities from investigation through prosecution to address white supremacist violence effectively. The ACLU has concerns about the overbroad and abusive investigative powers the Federal Bureau of Investigations, that's the FBI, and other law enforcement have claimed and the Department of Justice's interpretation and use of terrorism-related laws, especially against communities of color. But there should be no question that Congress has already given law enforcement the authority to investigate and prosecute domestic white supremacist violence effectively. What is lacking, however, is the will to do so. Again, that's a quote from a three-page statement that the ACLU issued when this conversation came up last year. And I think the last sentence is really the crux of the issue. What is lacking, however, is the will to do so. And then another thing that they said, and this was the final sentence in that three-page statement. And here I quote again, Enhancing and expanding domestic terrorism authorities and crimes will result in more injury to the very communities that Congress seeks to protect and harms the First Amendment, equal treatment, and due process rights of all people under the Constitution. So, I think most people would agree with me that the ACLU is hardly seen as a pro-Republican institution. But on this, it seems that they are aligned with Republicans in the judiciary who were against this H.R. 350. Uh, And again, the point of this is for the Department of Homeland Security, the Department of Justice, and the FBI to monitor, investigate, and prosecute cases of domestic terrorism. Interesting. Uh, One more thing. You all know I love polls. Uh, CBS just put out a new poll uh, that shows that most people are not happy with the direction of the country. Surprise, surprise. Uh, Here are some words that folks use to describe the Democratic Party. 51% of those polled said weak. 49% extreme. And only 36% said effective. Words describing the Republican Party. 54% extreme. 50% hateful and 37% caring. Uh, Another thing of note here, Democrats want their nominees to focus on the following three things. Inflation, taxing the wealth, talking about racial justice. And for Republicans, inflation, illegal immigration, and talking about traditional values. Um, The one thing Democrats and Republicans both seem to agree as a problem is inflation. Uh, There are a lot of other interesting bits in this poll. I'm going to put a link to it in the show notes and you can catch the rest of it for yourself. right, y'all last thing to round out the show are party starters and party poopers. Let's get it started in here. What's rule number one? Party. So this week's party starter, I'm going to make Biden my party starter because of two things. He invoked the Defense Production Act to boost production of baby formula. Uh, You all know last week we talked about um, baby formula shortages across the country. And he's also working with the Department of Defense. And he got 70,000 pounds of baby formula to the United States. Now, the Abbott plant, remember Abbott is the largest American manufacturer of baby formula, said they are going to resume operations of their plant in June. The CEO actually wrote an op-ed in the wall in the Washington Post apologizing for the shortage. Um, now, this is a bit sad. Apparently, babies in a few states, including Georgia, have been hospitalized because their parents were not able to find formula. I even saw one article of a father who drove 1,000 miles just to find a special formula for his baby. Um, I really feel for parents who are dealing with this. This has to be incredibly scary uh, to ha- to have to deal with. That, by the way, there were two house bills last week to address the baby formula shortage. Republican leadership instructed their members to vote against the bill to give more funding to the FDA to tackle the baby formula issue. Now, 12 Republicans did choose to vote with Democrats and pass that bill. Um, another bill was to permanently expand the types of formula available through WIC. And that one had uh, Republicans vote in support of that. But the MAGA wing of the party, folks like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt Gates, voted against it. All right, and on to the party pooper. Turn off the lights. The party's over. The party is over. Close the gates. What? All right, party's over. Everyone go home. Are you sure you want to invite this party pooper to poop on your party? I'm the party pooper. So, the Wall Street Journal published an article late last week about the number one real estate broker in Atlanta. It's a guy who built this proprietary software that allows him to buy and sell single family homes directly to his clients. And his clients are all institutional Wall Street investors. So these are major corporations. So these investors turn around and lease their homes to people. Now, I'm not making the real estate broker my pooper He's just taking advantage of a system that is set up to be taken advantage of, clearly. Uh, but the fact that this guy alone has facilitated the purchase of more than 300 homes off the market uh, for corporations instead of having home buyers, individual home buyers, be able to purchase those homes. And we know that there's a serious shortage of affordable homes. In the city and of course across the region. Now these investors are paying cash. That means an ordinary buyer just simply cannot compete. Someone trying to find an affordable home and that 150, 250, 350 price point cannot compete against cash offers from Wall Street investors. Something has got to give. And I think as a city, uh, we have to ask ourselves what kind of city. Do we want Atlanta to be? Who is Atlanta for? Uh, And if we don't figure this out real soon, uh, the market will determine that for us. So that is today's show. As always, thank you all so much for tuning in. Just wanted to give you a quick update on uh, what's going on with the election and making sure you're ready for election day. Tune in next week so we'll give you a recap of who made it to the runoff and give you some tools and information on how to make sure that you go out and vote in the runoff election. As always, thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Sava Long. This is Where the Party At.